Good morning. Welcome to Home Retreats. And this talk is entitled, For Whose Eyes Only? Curiosity killed the cat, so the saying goes. And in the case of Lot's wife, her irresistible desire to look back did her no good at all. As children, we first learned to speak and act by watching and listening to others and by imitating them. So common sense suggests that being alert and curious is needed for us to grow and develop. But when does this interest become a distraction from our proper concerns? When do we move from a proper taking of interest into invading another's space and privacy? We might argue that uncontrolled nosiness appears already in the Garden of Eden, with the Genesis account of the fall also a warning, as with Pandora's box for the ancient Greeks, not to overstep the line. But even if this is so, again and again, Scripture shows God turning human failings to better things. In this, he does not destroy human nature, but directs it to better, better courses. And perhaps the first striking example of this, in the case of some kind of curiosity, is Moses. Very naturally, he is curious at the sight of the burning bush, blazing without, without, while remaining unconsumed. In his natural desire to discover how this is so, we might consider Moses a sort of early scientist. And this moving closer to see what is happening leads, without Moses realising it, to his mission as leader of the Israelites, taking them out of slavery in Egypt towards the promised land. The ensuing dialogue with God leads Moses, although reluctantly, to accept his new task. King David later on very nearly loses everything by insisting, as recounted in 1 Chronicles 21, on taking a census of Israel. And his anxiety to know more than is right for him at that time is punished as a sign of lack of faith in God's protection. However, there is a hint of good coming out of this disaster. The offering which David makes as reparation is described as being made in the place which would later be the site of the temple in Jerusalem which his son Solomon would build. And yet, of course, there is another and better type of exploration. Human understanding in all areas of knowledge is built on learning from the way the world around us works, and by seeing in this a key to the one who created it and established the laws of the universe. The Book of Wisdom, for example, points to the value of exploring the world about us for signs of God's creative activity and presence. In chapter 13 of Wisdom we read, Yes, naturally stupid are all those who are unaware of God, and who from good things seen have been unable to discover him who is. Perhaps they go astray only in their search for God and their eagerness to find him. Familiar with his work, they investigate them and fall victim to appearances, seeing so much beauty. But even so, they have no excuse. If capable of gaining enough knowledge to be able to investigate the world, how have they been so slow to find its master? Jesus, in his teaching, assumes that his listeners should also learn from the world around them. They should pay attention to warning signs of bad weather. But he attacks the scribes and Pharisees, who can interpret signs of sea and sky with no problem but failed to understand the signs of those times. He might also have mentioned the Magi, 
who long to understand the heavens, and this inspires them to make their long and challenging journey to Bethlehem. Once more, we can see that our reason is a God-given channel to assist us to grow in understanding his plans and purposes for us, and from knowing to come to better serve him and our neighbour. And yet, even the desire to know the things of God can lead us to reach out for what may be harmful. The wish for a quick fix of dramatic good or bad news did not start with modern mass media. And so, when the apostles and others are clearly worrying about when the world is to end and whether only a few will be saved, they get a firm reply. Take care that no one deceives you. Many will come using my name and saying, I am he, and they will deceive many. Similarly, Peter wants to know what will happen to his fellow apostle, John. At the end of John's Gospel, in the interchange between Peter and Jesus at the Sea of Tiberias, Jesus, Peter asks Jesus, What about him, Lord? Jesus answered, If I want him to remain until I come, what does it matter to you? You are to follow me. In other words, our wish to know more than we need could, if it were granted, lead us into very great difficulty and affect our being able or willing to do what we should from day to day. So as for that day or hour, nobody knows it, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, no one but the Father. And so what of Benedict? Well, while not making a special thing about nosiness, he does build a way of life which points away from this. The division of each day into times for choir, study, work, private prayer, all point towards focusing on the matter at hand and away from over-preoccupation with what others do, say or possess. On this last point, he shrewdly warns against getting worked up about those who seem to be given more favourable treatment by the superior, urging those who need more to be humble because of their weakness, and those who need less to thank God and not grumble. There is more to each of us than anyone else can fully grasp, and so we are to avoid jumping to conclusions and wearing ourselves out in envious speculation. Perhaps the basic message is that the more we divert our attention from our proper concerns, the more we end up frustrated, disorientated, dissatisfied, and so less able to appreciate the work God plans to bring to fruition in and through us. And so, while Benedict does have specific chapters on, for example, silence and humility, as regards over-curiosity, his positive arrangements suggest that this becomes less of an issue when our perspective on the world is properly in balance. As, for example, in Lent, he suggests a curb on needless talking and idle jesting. And in receiving guests, we see a sort of double lens, recognising a gospel duty of hospitality and the presence of Christ in guests, especially pilgrims and the poor, while also being cautious about, for example, one who seeks diversion and escape from routine, to use the guest as cover. Humans need very little excuse to busy themselves in the affairs of others. It is one good reason why even the most plausible reasons for being helpful or getting involved need to be run through an honest check as to who or what is the genuine concern, the good of another 
or our wish to be in control or in the know. Once that is truly addressed through wise advice, prayer and reflection, then we are in a better place to move forward. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen.